Hello and welcome to Cartridge Cinema Club episode 29. My name is Mark Champlin and today I am joined by Alex Wallace. What's up girls and gays? Uh, Before we get into uh, tonight's special feature, um, I want to address briefly some of the events of the past week um so if you missed it we did a did a did a little bonus episode earlier in the week where we discussed the uh the recent happenings uh that being the release of the sonic the hedgehog trailer and the uh and the emotional scarring that that it has caused many people um and uh we put that out before the announcement uh that they were going to redesign the sonic the hedgehog design in the movie, which is supposed to come out in six months, uh, because people hate it, rightfully can, can, so. <laughs> can I just say, okay, no, I'll, I'll let you finish. No, Go ahead. Well, and I guess the only the only thing that I want to address here is uh, if 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 it is true that they are legitimately going to redesign this thing starting now. Like I, I've seen a lot of like people who seem pretty credible and seem like they know what they're talking about, about the uh, animation and VFX industry, uh, talking about how it's possible that this is sort of like a marketing stunt uh, and that they knew that they were going to redesign this thing since they, you know, quote unquote leaked it and everyone kind of, and then they put this trailer out anyway so they can look like they're doing it for the fans. If that's, if that's not the case, um, People are going to have to crunch so fucking hard. People are going to have to miss seeing their families. People are going to have to work 70 to 100 hour work weeks. Just destroying their minds and bodies. Redesigning Sonic for this movie that everyone is going to hate anyway. uh, And that is going to suck. And I just think that's really fucking depressing. (laughs) Yeah, um, I just want to say fuck nerds, uh, like, super, super fuck nerds. I fucking hate every single self-righteous, angry Joe show motherfucker who got on YouTube as soon as they said, uh, they were redesigning Sonic and was like, oh, we won. We finally a win for us gamers. (laughs) Finally, we complained about something and, and the big guys up top listened I love to be heard uh, for my my voice, uh, my super super unique. Uh, this voice. is democracy in action here. The people God. spoke, and the creators of Sonic and his horrible little teeth responded. Yeah, fucking you know, dude, run that shit, you fucking cowards. That's where I'm at with this. Like, no, you hundred percent, hundred fucking percent, fucking. I made a tweet that was like, it was like, stay with your shitty decisions. This movie's going to make a shit zillion dollars either way. Just fucking run it. I'm sure it's terrible, but like, and like, yeah, I don't want to give them a pass for a second for making the worst Sonic design of all time. <laughs> like it, it, it is the worst. It Sonic. really is. I didn't think it was possible to make a worse Sonic design than the one that they put in Sonic 06 that kisses a human lady and has weird humanoid proportions, but somehow they made something that's like five times worse than that. I. What if we Resident, watch this Resident Evil Apocalypse is a 2004 action action sci-fi horror movie <laughs> written by D- D- Paul W S Anderson and is directed by and Alexander Witt who is not Paul W S Anderson because he had 
prior obligations and you know pass the directorial torch to his homie um who also made an incredibly blurry and gray film it's gray it's not as gray it's more you know dark yeah with some with some flashes of you know gold we'll get to it um (laughs) oh man that's a setup that's gonna pay off really hard in about 30 to 45 minutes that that goes on the 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 triple c nation bingo card is we'll get to that um that i think both of us are guilty of that uh it's it's the second resident evil movie um and it stars mila jovovich and also uh just so many other people that we are made to care about ostensibly but actually we don't um shout out to ian glenn a friend of the show (laughs) making an uh a a long uh making a um a long-awaited second appearance long-awaited callback you know (laughs) he was in he was the bad guy in laura croft laura croft tomb raider sorry um from (laughs) 2001 the og um to to that two thousands goo episode. <laughs> yeah. Um only the SoundCloud OGs remember um yeah. remember the remember the pre microphone era <laughs> <laughs> when we were both recording with like gamer headsets. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> okay. So so normally in this portion of the program uh is is by uh jumbled program. and rambling attempt to uh to summarize the plot of the film. Uh which once again and I feel like this happens increasingly the more like shitty action movies we watch this this thing is a there's so this movie is like 90 minutes it's like less than 90 minutes because the credits start at like 85 minutes so it's really it's a it's a (laughs) short one but so much happens in it in such rapid succession and it's so difficult to keep track of what's going on because there's so many fucking characters okay literally within the first like 10 minutes of the movie they've introduced like five or six different elements to the plot so like it picks up right where the last movie leaves off right so Miljovovic is you know got captured by some scientists her boyfriend i guess also got captured by some scientists they get taken into custody she wakes up in a spooky hospital they've been doing experiments on her she goes out into the city uh, and there's a bunch of zombies everywhere. Boom, Resident Evil Apocalypse. Here we go. Here's the next movie. So, the um, the Umbrella Corporation, they're still evil. They they made zombies as part of a the, this bioweapon program, and now the zombies have entirely taken over Raccoon City. Uh, and then Mila Jovovich is like a super weapon now, I guess, because they did experiments on her. And then there's also like this big guy hot, with rocket launchers, and he's called Nemesis, like Nemesis, what from comes from the video games. And then... He turns out to be the guy from the first movie, which is set up like it's supposed to be a twist, but it's the most obvious fucking shit in the world because they already said that he was going into the Nemesis program. So, of course, he's the guy that got turned into the thing that's called Nemesis. And then there's, like, so many other characters that don't matter at all. There's, like, a sad science man in a wheelchair who does some really good 2000s hacking, and he's got a daughter, and she, you know, is lost or whatever. And then there's, like... 30 or 40 shitty cops and military people who were just there and I think we're supposed to care about them because the the film keeps cutting away from Miljovovich doing her shit uh, and cutting to random groups of soldiers and cops some of whom are from the video game like Jill Valentine is in this um, and it's it, you know most 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 zombie fiction you kind of including zombie fiction that we have watched on this show like the original 
Resident Evil, or indeed House of the Dead. Uh, although House of the Dead kind of stumbles over its own dick on that one. But most zombie fiction, you, you get a core group of like five or six characters. They're all kind of together in one place, and then slowly they, they get picked off. In this movie, there's like nine or ten characters that all have nothing to do with each other all walking around in various different locations they go to a new place they get attacked by zombies and then and then they go to a different place and they get attacked by zombies somewhere else um so the umbrella corporation has god there's so much the the umbrella corporation has quarantined the whole city right and 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 the our heroes as it were got to get out of the city because the umbrella corporation is going to nuke them and then at the end, it seems like they're going to escape because she has to fight Nemesis to see which of them is... The bad guys make her fight Nemesis to make her see which one is... Oh, man. Their the, helicopter the problem, gets the, blown sorry, up with the, the, the problem with this movie is that it's <laughs> I'm like... Trying so it, hard. It's like four B-plots, and there's no A-plot, yeah. right? Like, there's four B-plots put together until they kind of all assemble together and the remnants of them get on that last helicopter and you're like oh, okay i guess he was a main character all along <laughs> yeah. i would i wouldn't have known he was treated like a joke the entire time and now he's uh flying the helicopter i guess <laughs> yeah and yeah. then and then and it does the same thing that the last resident evil movie did where the only interesting parts of the plot happened in the last 20 minutes and it sets up for another movie that is hopefully going to be more interesting but probably won't be because like you know it looks like they're gonna escape and then they get blown up with nukes and then, but Mila Jovovich is a superhero, I guess, so she gets to survive. And so she gets captured by <laughs> evil scientists again, and this time they put her in a test tube. And, and then at the end, she escapes, and now she has the ability to make people, like, bleed out of their eye sockets with her mind. Um, but now they also install the camera in, in her eye so they can spy on her. And I just don't fucking care about any of these characters. <laughs> I have I have a, a real quick thought about this plot, and bear with me. Okay. How? Imagine a movie where the last ten minutes of this movie was actually the first ten minutes of this movie. <laughs> that looks that looks like a cool fucking movie. But the problem is that was this. It was the same case with the last movie where it ended really interestingly um and then turned out boring as fuck <laughs> yeah i just feel like there's a world where like you know she wakes up confused us as the audience we we don't know what she's talking about when she says my name is alice and i remember everything and then she kicks the shit out of everyone and makes somebody bleed out of their eyes and die and then she just walks out onto the street and turns out there's a camera in her eye what if that's like the establishing shot and then things unfold the problem with this movie is they just they just beat you over the head with plot and they think oh well you're a stupid 18 to 36 year old male uh, you'd need to be doled out the plot like it's a video game beat for beat whereas like i don't know they clearly people who know how to make movies right they made this movie and they could have made like a good movie <laughs> right know. instead I don't know, man. I, maybe maybe i'm giving it too much credit because they because they did just dead ass have like a giant orange man with unlimited ammo as like 
one of the main characters. Yeah, like the two main villains are, you know, an evil corporation man and then just like a a giant, big, ugly monster with rocket launchers and machine guns that just goes around screaming and shooting people. So we had... You know, those are my general thoughts about the movie. Honestly. Yeah, usually Just we try to <laughs> squandered potential. Yeah, it's mm, I one of my one of I think the most uh, salient facts about this movie is the fact that five seconds after it passes the Bechdel test, it has it just immediately at the scene after that it has zombie strippers with their tits out for no reason and it's never mentioned again. Just so you just so you see, do I need to explain what the Bechdel test is on this podcast? Mm, you you might as well. I might as also, well. We're here. Okay. Yeah, I I respect everyone on this podcast to probably know, to but probably also know, you're but not a, you... you're you're not shitty if you don't know. No, no, thing, definitely. So. And it's 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 a, just just sort of uh, an old kind of cultural thing. So the Bechdel test, uh, which comes from this uh, old comic strip called Dykes to Watch Out For, um, and is based and Bechdel is the name of the one of the authors, and uh, the idea is basically. There has to be a scene where two female characters have a conversation with one another about something that isn't a man, <laughs> right? Mm-hmm. And, and the idea is not necessarily like, oh, if this happens, then the movie is feminist. It's more like, oh, the fact that so few films succeed at this incredibly low bar is evidence of a larger problem with, with cinema and, and our, cultural, our culture in general, right? So... Yeah. In this movie, you know, Jill Valentine and Mila Jovovich have a conversation in a church for five seconds and they talk about zombies and don't talk about romance or a man. And then in the scene immediately following that, we see a man get chased by a bunch of zombie strippers with their tits out. And that, I think, sums up this movie pretty well. It is... It's 2000s as fuck, right? It's the the font is there. You got you got your Matrix font with the little computer noises that come out. There's a hacking scene in it. You got your bad CG. You got you got you got your event. You got your uh your Slipknot and your Kill Switch engage in the credits. You got your disregard for women. You know it's all there, man. There's there's something that I very much just enjoy. I get a sick pleasure out of seeing this type of shit just because it's what I grew up with and yeah. it's also. Just, I've come to notice all of the tropes that you might not think of as tropes just from being on this hell podcast. <laughs> um, I really like the thing. It's a very, like, Men in Black 2 thing of, like, the bad guys or maybe the good guys, but whatever side are the guys that are the big, like, secret corporation is, like, all their shit is, like, chrome yeah. and, like, slick and, like all their computers are like look like they're made of like like silver steel quicksilver yeah. and it's there's just something very like spy kids sunglasses about <laughs> yeah, the whole mo- look of the umbrella corporation this movie is very very spy kids um so so i do want to kind of talk about a little bit like I feel like at this point they have completely dropped any pretense whatsoever that this that this is going to be a horror franchise. <laughs> yeah, like, this was the moments. Yeah. Like the first movie had its moments of horror and some my relatively effective moments. This I don't think this movie has a single good scary no. horror scene. No. Not really. Not at all. I mean like so the the problem with the first Resident Evil is that they built a really good like the first like 
15 minutes-ish are like an actual well-executed like horror build, and then they have a bunch of SWAT team guys breaking through a window and just kill all of that. This movie has a truck crash in it in the first five minutes, and at one point, Miljovic crashes a motorcycle through a stained glass window and then throws the motorcycle at a zombie, and then the motorcycle and the zombie both fly into the air, and then she shoots them with her pistols, and then the zombie and the motorcycle both explode, and it's really, really funny when this movie tries to have any kind of tension or serious <laughs> horror moments after that has happened. Like, it just, it, 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 you, like, that happens within the first, like, 20 minutes, and then they, by, like, minute 40, they're still trying to have, like, a tense, spooky moment with a bunch of children zombies at an elementary school. And you're supposed to be like, oh, man, what's going to happen? They're going to get attacked by fucking zombies. That's what always happens. They get attacked by zombies. Yeah, there's. I, I saw them go into the kids' room, and I'm like, okay, zombie kids are yep. coming. And then I was right. Everything is so ridiculous. You mentioned this before, before I watched the movie. There's a scene where they go to a graveyard in the zombie movie. <laughs> And it's yeah, like, like, oh, I like man, this. I wonder what's going to happen. And then, oh, shit, a bunch of zombies start coming out of the ground and grabbing them. And and one of the characters in that scene even says basically to the camera, to the audience, <laughs> what are we doing in a graveyard? <laughs> like, fuck if I know. You could have walked around it. Yeah. My favorite thing about it is that, like, that scene, most, most of the action scenes in this movie, which are all terrible, I hate the fucking action scenes in this movie, because it's all just, like, rapid cuts, camera whipping around all over the place, nauseating fucking mid-2000s ass action scenes, and this particular one, they just, they just do kung fu to beat the zombies, that's, like, it's, most of the movie, it's gunfights, this part, it, they just do karate, and they beat a bunch of the zombies, and... How, as the viewer, are we supposed to be afraid of any of the zombies from this point forward when we know that they can be, that, like, be defeated by some, like, martial arts flip kicks? It's... Yeah, snapping a zombie's sucks, neck. Dude. I, 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 we're, we don't, we don't have to do the, the nerd, like, nitpick thing, but, like, for just, I don't think this is that. I think from, like, a horror perspective... I'm not scared of a zombie that can get killed by getting his neck snapped. You yeah, know what she I mean? does that at one point. It's weird. That shit's like dumb. Like, <laughs> you if you snap his neck, he should. It's he not should even realistic. Crawling, That's not how zombies crawling. work in real life. <laughs> I, I mean, it, it is the the nerd nitpick, but like, yeah. what if he snapped his neck and then he like totally wasn't dead yet and he kept crawling with a horrible like broken neck now that's scary but they don't ever do anything like that in this movie yeah they they're 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 so rarely paying off any of their concept okay so this movie has a weird bent and the first one had this too but i think it's more on display there's like this weird bent with the umbrella corporation in it right because the Umbrella Corporation, they they constantly mention, like, they're the most powerful, you know, corporate entity in the world. They have the resources and the authority to quarantine an entire city. Uh, there's a moment where a bunch of people are trying to get out of the city, and the M Umbrella Corporation's, like, like, private military contractors open fire on civilians with machine guns. Um, and then they also have access to tactical nuclear weapons. And then they're at the end, they're able to cover the whole thing up and make the news media report that it was a power plant meltdown after they nuke Raccoon City to make sure that nobody finds out about all of the fucking zombies. Um, and it's... It's almost like they're going to say a thing 
right? Because it's like, oh, this is a this is a all powerful corporation. Uh, they they have military contractors. They are firing on civilians. Uh, you know, this is this is the extent of unchecked corporate power in the Resident Evil universe, right? Um, but there is no real counterbalance to that because the only reason that the Umbrella people are bad is because they're it, because it's private military, right? All of the characters are cops and soldiers, right? All of the all of the main characters are cops and soldiers, and those are the good guys, right? And so there isn't. You know, it's 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 the style of like sort of like lukewarm like liberal critique where you're willing to be like, oh, this part of corporatism is bad. You know, like oh, well, the umbrella soldiers are bad because they're private military contractors. Like, you know, unlike the good old fashioned U.S. military and and our and our and our cops on the streets who are keeping us safe and you know totally aren't affected by the terrible aspects of unregulated capitalism that allowed people's lives to be trained traded for fucking arms money <laughs> yeah unlike uh, unlike um our real world uh uh police and uh soldiers who protect corporations in the name of the government uh, which is good, actually. Uh, it's bad when they protect corporations just in the name of the corporation itself. Yeah. If it com- if there's a middleman there in the form of you know the U.S. government, it's actually okay and actually it's good and you're protecting you know freedom and stuff. I can't believe this mid-2000s action movie based on a video game doesn't have a coherent anti-capitalist ideology. It's but okay, but it's like. It, it is actually legitimately disappointing because there's like a moment where um, where th- this character is introduced who is he's like one of the umbrella soldiers, basically. Mm-hmm. And and he's like, oh, I don't work for them anymore. You know, you know, like comes in, save someone and then is like, I don't work for them anymore. They left us to die. Fuck umbrella. Um, and and you would think in this moment, I'm like, OK. Cool, because I've they they had the moment early on where the umbrella people fire on civilians, and I'm like, all right, what are they gonna do with this? And then it's like, all right, we have this character who defected from the umbrella side, and now we have, you know, a group of cops and soldiers, you know, st- state-sponsored violence. Uh, these people who are enacting state-sponsored violence versus, uh, you know, this corporate-sponsored violence, um, right. which in this movie are separate things, in real life are the same thing. Um, and it's like, okay. There could be some tension here that could be interesting. And then that guy gets killed by zombies literally two seconds later. Yeah, I, <laughs> I was... fucking terrible. I was, I was just I was begging. I was dying for a line from, like, Jill. Because I, I think he rescues Jill. He says, like, yeah, they, they abandoned me. Now I guess I'm freelance. I was just dying for a line from someone to be like, okay, let's... Okay, well, you're still, like, a big combat trained dude with a gun and now you just don't have anyone barking orders at you you're still scary yeah and just but like of course he just dies he just dies immediately and they just move on it's great so many things are just moved on from in this movie like the 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 strippers thing is introduced and then and then moved on from um and 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 the strippers thing is also where we're introduced to uh i think the the greatest stain on this film by far 
the, uh, the, the bleeding heart of Resident Evil Apocalypse, the, the, I gotta say. The really, the true core of why this movie is so fucking, like, I, so awful to try to sit through. And that is uh, the, the, the black comic relief character uh, who uh, is introduced uh, driving his car uh, down the street, running over someone and saying, GTA, motherfucker. Uh, which, which, let's be fair, if that was his only thing, it's hilarious, and I definitely <laughs> laughed. Um, but th- then, you know, he, all the other stuff with him, he oh, becomes God. like a real character in this movie, and he has no more development than that initial racial caricature. <laughs> he says, he says motherfucker a lot. There's a, there's a part where he has to, he has to stop to curb stomp a zombie, uh, at one point yeah. to make sure it's really dead. Uh, you know, he has <laughs> custom gold pistols, which he and a holds, fedora and a fedora. And he holds the, the gold pistols sideways when he goes to shoot zombies. And then there's a part at the end where, uh, where the bad guy gets onto a helicopter and and the guy and, and he's like, why haven't why hasn't the helicopter left yet? And then it turns out the black comet relief guy is is flying that is in the is in the cockpit, and he says, because I usually drive a Cadillac, and then he punches him in the face. Um, and yeah, you know, yeah. Mm-hmm. it's not it's not good. Mm-hmm. There's a part. There's a part oh, where oh, it's bad, man. There's, there's a part where everyone except for him dies in a scene, and instead of you know being horrified and running away like a normal person would he like snaps his fingers and dances like urkel and says i'm a bad motherfucker i'm a bad motherfucker and it's like hmm it, yeah it's you know we talked about how 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 the the queer characters in scott pilgrim really feel like a straight person's idea of what queer people are like yes this exactly. this, this guy is a white person's idea of what black people are like it's 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 so fucking embarrassing dude like you can just you can just see the script where it had all of the motherfuckers and all of the all of the fucking like incredibly forced slang that they put onto this character and you know that not a single black person touched this script yeah what what years is 2004 yeah this is like, yeah, the, the, the screenwriter watched the music video for Drop It Like It's Hot one time <laughs> and then just said, fuck it. <laughs> Put it's, it in the movie. It's terrible. And he's like, it, the, he, he is one of two black characters in this movie. And the other black character uh, is a stubborn military dude who goes out uh, on his own when he shouldn't have and gets killed immediately. Uh, and that's and that's that's your options for black representation in this movie. I mean, that's the thing, right? This is how these things happen. This is why stereotypes are such a fucking problem. Is that and and why tokenism is a problem? Is that like when you when the only representation that you have is this one character, they now have a lot to carry on their fucking back. And even when it's two characters, they have a lot to carry on their, their fucking back. The way that you avoid stereotyping and tokenism is by having, like, a wider variety of different types of, like, you know, black characters and queer characters and to look at and be able to, you know, see different representations of what... Pe- those people can be like uh, and you don't get that when you only put 
one black main character in or two and one of them dies immediately. <laughs> what are we watching next week, Mark? Uh, my friends. The time has the come. The time has come for the very first video game movie major release that has come out since we started doing this podcast. And I will say... Um, it's Detective Pikachu 2019. Um, uh, and you know what? I'm going to... My prediction for this is that it is going to be the best movie that we have seen on this podcast. <laughs> I'm really looking forward to this. I'm really, really looking forward to this. Because I, because if it sucks, then it'll be great. It'll be a fun suck. And if it's great, it'll be hilarious that it's great. So there's... There's no way that I walk away from this thing without a big fucking smile on my face. Yeah, there, there's just no way. I, I don't know, man. Like, Greninja is dope. This is just a fact. And Greninja in this movie. You know who else is dope? Mewtwo in the movie. I don't know. It's You know who else is dope? I don't, I, I don't know anything. Fucking Pikachu. I, I don't know anything about this person if he's problematic uh please don't come for me fucking ryan reynolds dope (laughs) i like ryan reynolds he's a rich actor so he's by default is is problematic because whatever i like ariana grande i'm not gonna be here for this don't you oh man (laughs) pop stars are never going to be real activists mark they can't change anything Ariana Grande is probably my 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 best problematic fave, and I also love her so much. Capitalist like... feminism isn't going to save us, Mark. <laughs> well, she did that new song with Lil Dicky, and therefore <laughs> she's canceled forever. Because anyone who touches Lil Dicky after that Chris Brown thing uh, is just permanently canceled. Uh, you can follow the podcast uh, at Cartridge Cinema. It's funny because whenever we do moments like this, I always think, man, this is we wanted like half the podcast to be us bantering like this, and I think. That that would be a worse product if we actually did that. <laughs> yeah, that was one of the things we talked about early on. Is just like, oh yeah, most of the pod, like we'll probably spend like half the podcast just riffing and half the podcast talking about the movie, and then it very quickly became like, no, because the movies are so fucking absurd, and there's so much happening in them that if we spent any time amount of time riffing, we the podcast would be like over an hour long every week. Where can people find the podcast <laughs> on the internet, Mark? <laughs> Uh, well, I'm gonna fucking I'm gonna do this one fucking take. Let's see follow the pod follow the podcast at Cartridge Cinema on Twitter. Join the Discord; it's linked on the Twitter in the pinned post. Don't follow Alex; she don't do Twitter no more. Um, you can follow me at Mark underscore Drizzle. I probably post a couple times a week. It's it's real good content with a capital C. Um, iTunes and Spotify and SoundCloud and your favorite podcast app are all the places you can find the pod. Um, which you probably know because you're listening to it uh, right now. Uh, you can rate us on any of those places, probably. Uh, definitely try iTunes because if I show up on the iTunes uh, list, that will uh, make my day. And you should probably want that because I'm because I'm nice. Yeah. Uh, the music is by DJ Tin Man. The art is by Courtney Kaufman. Uh, we're gonna watch some fucking Pokemon next week. And for me, it was Tuesday. <laughs>